a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pole mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us original moto podcast featuring legends of the past stars of today season previews and race reviews introspection opinion facts and laughs here's your host steve mathis welcome to another edition of creators podcasts some classic remixed podcasts with some of the people that uh, are just iconic in the industry have started iconic companies that we've all used over the years, either racing or riding, or we've seen top-level Supercross racers use it, or however it goes. These are some of the most interesting and exciting podcasts that I've done. I love hearing the kind of stories behind the story, and uh, yeah, you people seem to like it really well. So this one is with Eddie Cole, who continues to be just a man on the move in the industry. He relaunched Tag Metals recently, part of Matrix, part of Atlas, uh, 661, Sunline. Uh, I'm probably missing some companies in there as well. Now he works for Seven a little bit as a as a consultant. Eddie Cole has the Midas touch in the uh, industry, and uh, we should all be lucky to, uh, to have him around. This podcast deals with the start of Answer Products, a company he ran for, geez, probably 20, 30 years, I would guess. And uh, before he sold out, and uh, yeah, Eddie's a really interesting guy, always very, very nice. He really talks about Bob Hanna being such a big part of his company and why it got so big. And I love the fact that Eddie doesn't claim anything but good fortune and being friends with Bob Hanna uh, for really kickstarting answer racing uh, over the years. And I like that about him. Um, so please have a listen to this one and to the other ones Jim Hale, Pete Fox. John Gregory, all of the iconic creators in the industry. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I know you've just finished listening to a whole bunch of uh, intro crap, but I just wanted to uh, put one more thing in there before we get to the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, look, we all buy stuff from Amazon. I buy stuff. You buy stuff. We all buy stuff from Amazon. Let's face it. So why don't you, the next time you're buying something from Amazon, go to pulpamex.com, find the Amazon banner there on the bottom right-hand side, Click to that, it'll take you to Amazon, and then you can place your order for whatever it is. Either lube, a baseball glove, or a car. Whatever it is. Then that way, Pulpamex gets a little piece of that, and uh, we can keep on doing what we're doing. And I appreciate it. And so check it out on the link, and see you guys later. Welcome to the RacerX Podcast Show, brought to you by BTOsports.com. As usual, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Here it is a sunny, hot day in Las Vegas. And with me on the line is is a real innovator in the sport, a real uh, giant of the industry, let's call it, Eddie Cole. What's up, Eddie? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're probably busy. Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, <laughs> happy to do it. And uh, yeah, 
appreciate chatting with you. Yeah, you know, some of the some of the ones I've done with guys like John Gregory, uh, uh, Dave Arnold, some of my favorite ones, and I got a feeling that you're going to be in that category because people like you have been around a long time, but you know, you're just not standing on top of the podium. So, um, yeah, but there's a lot of stories there. So, yeah. Um, uh, what's going on now? Now your, your sons, uh, uh, own and operate matrix concepts. And, uh, by the looks of in the pro pits, you guys are doing great. Cause it seems like every team is using ramp, mat, stand, gas can, or a combination of them or something. Yeah, we've been, you know, we've been really fortunate and, and all the top teams have been really receptive to what we're doing. And it's worked out really well. We've got, believe it or not, we've got 22 teams around the world wow. signed up and using Matrix. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, uh, they're doing it because they like the stuff. And uh, we're fortunate enough that we're in a category that we don't have to spend a lot of money, but uh, supply them with good quality product. And they're excited to have it. We're excited to have them use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going really, really well. Uh, we're now about a year into it. And like you said a minute ago, it's with my sons, Chad and Cameron, and they're 21 years old, twin boys, and mm-hmm. about a minute apart. And um, we're having a great time. Um, yeah, and you know what? It's it's curious when I when I heard about this. I first heard about it through Rick Sharon, who, who's a friend of mine, and he's handling the Canadian end of things. Um, I, I heard. I, I thought to myself, not a good time to start a company right now. But if anybody can do it. You know Eddie Cole can type of deal. Um, uh, you agree with me? Has it been tough? Like uh, not a lot of startup companies are, are succeeding. Yeah, we we probably couldn't have picked uh, uh, you know a, a tougher time right. in history to uh, to start uh, a company. But we, we we started small and we we've taken our time and made sure that that uh, the stuff is right. And mm-hmm. and one of the keys one of the keys is uh, really. Uh, having those top teams use the product, and and we've carved out a category that I don't know that anybody's really paid a lot of attention to it. So mm-hmm. we've got great distribution worldwide. Uh, we've got a we've got a, a product category that nobody's paid a lot of attention to in the past, mm-hmm. and uh, we've taken our time. We've made sure that the product is right. Um, we put a lot of marketing behind the product launch. And it's it's gone really well. I mean, like you know, we're we, we, in in ten months, we've got uh, thirty three international customers, or th- you could say thirty three countries mm-hmm. using the product already or distributing the product already. So mm-hmm. it, uh, but to go back and answer your question, it has been tough. It's uh, it's going to continue to be tough, I think, for the for the near future here, and and it's. It's like anything else. We've just got to be really careful. And yeah. uh, but I, I think that there's a great opportunity. I've done this a bunch of times before. Oh, We've launched a lot yeah. of brands, right. and I think that uh, this one feels pretty good to me, Steve. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. You know, you know those stores, Brookstone, in the malls and stuff, and they they sort of have like lots of alarm clocks and lots of iPod things. And you look at them and you're like, hey, that's a smart idea. Um, I like to think of Matrix as a smart company you've taken something as simple as a gas can a ramp a stand and you're like wait a minute there's a better way to do it am i would i be correct in saying that 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we'd like to think so anyway, uh, and what I appreciate you making those comments is that's how we feel about it, is that we've taken a pretty basic concept, and, but we've we put our twist on it. We, you know, we've been around a long time, so we, we understand kind of what works and what doesn't work, and mm-hmm. we, we, we feel like we have a reason to exist. We, the designs are innovative. You can customize the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it uh, everything's made out of plastic, and so it's 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 really a lot of fun, and looks really cool. And when you walk into Factory Kawasaki or L and M Yamaha, and you say, "Hey, I got some stands and ramps and tie downs. What do you think?" And mm-hmm. and when the mechanics stand around and go, "Whoa, that's really cool," you right. know, you kind of know you got it. You, you you think you got something. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, "Why didn't I think of that?" You know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh, uh, there's some really cool little. You know, just things with their tie downs and the way the hooks and the way they 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 work. And it's a, uh, it's cool. And uh, and and like you said, you've done this before, so it's not your first rodeo by any means. So, yeah. um, uh, but matrixconcepts dot com is that where people can go? Yeah, is it's that- a mat- It's actually uh, matrixracingproducts.com. dot com. It's kind of a long one. Matrixracingproducts.com. dot Okay, yeah, people and, can and, check that out. Yeah. Um. Um. You know, you you started answer. You you started Factory Effects. You started Six Six One. You've been there, man. You've done a lot, and 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 it, maybe this is another one of those giants. I'm not sure. Uh, it's definitely got some good good momentum behind it. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, let's go back back in the time machine, way back. Um, you were you were a pro racer in the in the mid to late seventies, huh? Is that kind of what? And then you just started doing answer products. You started with handlebars, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, believe it or not. Um yeah, I grew up racing motocross, and, you know, that was my passion. And here in the local market in Southern California, kind of in the heyday, you know, when there was a really a lot going on, we actually could race, do you believe it or not, mm-hmm. we could race six days a week, and yeah. we did. We went from one night track, you know, we took Mondays off, and the rest of the week we raced. And so, uh, you know, by the time you were done paying for gas and Taco Bell and McDonald's, you hoped that you had enough money to get to the races <laughs> the next weekend. Right. And, uh, yeah, I grew up here in Southern California doing that and, and, and had a little bit of success, raced a little bit in Canada and Eastern Canada and, uh, for Kawasaki, right. raced, raced factory Kawasaki's in 74 when Marty Smith won the championship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had a rotary valve product that, uh, blew up back then, believe it or not, Steve, we, we did three motos and, uh-huh. and, uh, the third moto, last couple laps, that thing would uh, blow up every time. So we we had a tough season, but uh, you you know it was obviously time at about 1976 uh, to go to work for a living. And I only knew motorcycles and right. had met a lot of great people. And in 1976, we started Answer Products in my garage. I had a hundred bucks and I had a buddy that had a hundred bucks, so we kind of felt like we were funded. Between the two of us, we had two hundred bucks, <laughs> yeah, and so exactly. we we away we went, you know, uh-huh. on a prayer and and a dream, and uh, you know, people told me that I was crazy, and and truth is, I probably was, and fell on my head a couple too many times, but uh, we said we could do it, and we worked real hard at it, and yeah, and it it really worked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm guessing you must have at some point made friends with Hannah uh, racing, right? <laughs> is that had to have been it? Yeah, believe yeah. it or not. Uh, we raced against each other here in Southern California, became friends, uh-huh. you know, for, at the racetrack. And, and, uh, uh, I was his roommate mm-hmm. when he was a factory Yamaha guy and just kind of getting going in Florida, the second season in Florida, 
I had kind of a Yamaha support deal, and believe it or not, we were roommates mm-hmm. uh, through the whole Florida series oh, there yeah. in Orlando. So uh, there's that's a whole nother story and a whole <laughs> nother bet. time. But there are plenty of stories related to spending. Uh, uh, a few months with Bob Hannon in Orlando, Florida, with the Suzuki team, you know, in the mm-hmm. next hotel. Yeah. Over, well, so, well yeah. there's one thing that's been consistent with you from uh, from answer to uh, to six six one to now Matrix is is Bob is there helping you along the way and promoting the product, and uh, obviously you guys have a lifelong friendship. It's cool cool to see. So yeah, um, yeah. There's there's magazine ads that I've seen looking through my old uh, stuff. Where he's wearing HRP clothes, but he's still in your ads. <laughs> yeah, well, believe it or not, Steve, uh, at Answer Products, we actually sew, we we manufactured all that product ourselves. We sewed pants and jerseys and gloves and kidney belts, and we made all the HRP stuff. Oh, you did? Oh, I didn't Bob know that. Anna, oh, okay. Answer Products. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So that was all through you, through your connections and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. So you start Answer and. Uh, I mean, does it just take off? What, what what are you doing that's so much better than uh, other companies? And what 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 was your big product that really launched you? You know, that's a great, that's an interesting question. And you know, now that I actually look back at it, it's not much different than Matrix. Mm-hmm. We, I had a lot of great working relationships with all the key guys back then: the Bob Hannas, the Brad Lackeys, the Rick Burgetts, the Jeff Wards. All those guys on all those factory teams that everybody looked up to, I knew. And uh, I was able to put together a, a Hanawar product line, and that's really when Answer took off and really, we really got mm-hmm. going is when we introduced that handlebar line and we had a Bob Hanna OW low handlebar and a Brad Lackey, mm-hmm. you know, KX whatever, and uh, I forget who the Honda rider was back then, but, yeah. he, you know, he used this stuff too. So um, we had all those guys. And, you know, we were, we were a bunch of riders that didn't know what we were doing from a business perspective, uh-huh. and we surrounded ourselves with guys that did understand the business as we grew the business. And, and I think it's like any successful organization. We had a lot of really good people that really worked hard at it, as corny as that might sound, but it, it's all about the people. And we had the right people in the right spots, and we were passionate about what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And then I think that, you know, the products we developed, we'd like to think that they had a reason to exist, and and uh, and uh, it worked out really well for us. Yeah, yeah, really. When did you start making gear? Well, that's a great question, and and kind of going back, I'd have to say about 1980 or so okay. is when we started making gear, and then in about 81, we brought Garnet Boots in to kind of supplement that, mm-hmm. and um, uh, that project was a lot of fun, so we kind of uh, introduced, I, I think we would have been the first ones to bring Garnet Boots in back then. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it uh, the first, that was crazy. The first Garnet ones I remember, and of course I'm, I'm 36, so I'm, I'm a little younger. The first ones yeah. I remember were those, though they were blue and they, they sort of were wrapped around your, your upper leg and they were super cool. And that was like 84, 83. Right. Um, yeah. Those I'm things were like, to, they were like yeah. another, another like, like a space or something, you know? They looked so cool. 
Yeah, that was, uh, um, I forget the name of those. I think a G something, yeah. one or two. But uh, I remember that boot, and it had a, it introduced a lot of plastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the guys in Italy were really, at the time, you know, back then, they were on the leading edge of design, and mm-hmm. obviously Garney's continued to just be a great company and mm-hmm. uh, continued to grow. Yeah, they have. They've really, their, their, their stuff is quality, no doubt about it, and I'm sure it was back then relative to what was out there. Um, so you uh, you signed Johnny O. When was that, and, and how did that all go down? He was a JT guy um, forever. Yeah, that's right, and we really looked up to JT, you know, uh, and John and Rita Gregory. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they set the standard. Right. I mean, they were the guys. They had all the factory guys in, from a clothing perspective, and we had all the factory guys from a hardware perspective. And uh, uh, I, Al Baker was his manager at the time, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there was a window that kind of opened up, and, we stepped up and wrote a big check, probably more than we ever should have paid. And uh, Johnny made the switch, and right. he was—you know—it's interesting you bring Johnny up because he was really instrumental, frankly, in make getting the product right. He was such a finicky guy in in yep. terms of how it had to look and how it had to fit, and mm-hmm. and he really helped us make the product right for the consumer. Yeah, uh, and also too, uh, he stayed in answer the rest of his way the whole the whole time, which which says volumes, you know, for for yourself and uh, and for the gear. I th- well, maybe when he came back for Honda of Troy, there he didn't wear it, but uh, everything else. Um, yeah, through most of his, you know, once um, I, I want to say that was sometime in in uh, shoot eighty eighty one, maybe eighty two. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to go back that far here. When you get as old as I am, your memory <laughs> kind of goes. But, but uh, yeah, once you know, once he left JT, he stayed with that, us for most of the his the rest of his racing career. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. And and so uh, along the way, answer just just kept growing, huh? It just kept getting into like all of a sudden you're probably out of your garage and you got a big building and 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 sort of uh, the boom of '80s motocross begins, right? Yeah, and you know that was really the heyday. I was talking to Stu Peters the other day, mm-hmm. who was just inducted to the the Motorcycle Hall of Fame, which I was really pleased about. And uh, he was just saying, you know, Eddie, I remember all those days at Saddleback and Carlsbad and Indian Dunes in the '80s, and and he referred to it as the heyday. Right. You know that that the, the the explosion that uh, happened in motocross then. You know, people had three or four motorcycles and. Uh, the whole family went to the races, and it was just, it was, it was really something. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And you, uh, you started getting into uh, some hard parts. You had the aluminite bars, which were, I guess, where you saw the success of Renthal, or were you before Renthal? I'm not even sure. But uh, with the alumina, with the aluminite bars, you, you kind of put that product out there, and they were, they were a good bar. They were good. And the silencers in the mid '80s, uh, handlebar clamps. I remember those little. One piece, four bolt uh, handlebar clamps that that worked a lot better than stock. Uh, this was all kind of stuff that you're expanding on, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, the hard parts was, you know, we're really kind of where we started, right. and and we continued to expand that program throughout the years. Uh, we manufactured everything in Valencia, California, right in our own facility, mm-hmm. and then we expanded into the uh, the apparel side. We manufactured all that. Believe it or not, when I left Answer Products, um, I know I might be getting ahead of you, but uh, there were 205 people there yeah, um, wow. because it was most of them were in in manufacturing roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that because your mountain bike fork too. Um, so uh, 
in the in the 80s did you did you uh did you dream about getting some more riders other than johnny o or was it was that sort of where you were you put all your eggs in that one basket you had some smaller guys of course but um i i when i think of answer i just think of johnny o the whole time you guys uh just had him and you promoted him until he retired and, and you moved on to kurdowski but uh uh you know was it a case of you were in those bidding wars for some of those bigger guys or was it always just johnny was going to be the guy well, yeah, that's a great question, and, I, and I'm not even sure I remember exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I know I, what I do remember is Johnny was quite expensive, right? And right. Uh, and 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 for us, you know, we get, just getting into that whole apparel thing, or had mm-hmm. we just been in it a year or two, it was uh, it was really a case of what could you afford, and and there were a lot of great riders back then, and so they got they got kind of distributed around. You know, Fox had some, Axo mm-hmm. had some. Sinicello, uh, yeah. obviously JT was still in the mix back then. So yeah, you know Johnny was our guy, and then and then Mike he rode in the stuff, and Jeff Stanton rode in the stuff a little bit. So mm-hmm. we had a we 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 kind of had a top guy, you know, through uh, most of the time that I was there. Right. Yeah. Did you always think that was pretty important to to pay that money to have a guy? I mean, you know, there, there's lots of clothing lines that don't have anybody. And they don't believe in paying a rider that much money to, to sell gear. And to be honest, when I hear some of the guys like Reed and Stewart salary from these gear companies, I'm like, good God, how many pairs of pants do you have to sell? Uh, I can't believe that. But was there ever a, a case where you were, could you put dollars, sales figures to having a rider? Well, yeah and no. Right, you know, right. the, the accountants always wanted to. They they wanted to be able to sit at the chalkboard and tell exactly what was happening. And from my perspective is we were so involved in the sport, we grew up in the sport, we really understood that you needed key riders to to promote the brand. And so uh, the pricing was, was pretty healthy. But I looked at it as, you know, I probably couldn't have justified it to anybody right. if I just took pant jersey and, and glove sales and said, how much are we paying for ads and how much are we paying for riders right, and what's right. left over? But I, I think that someone like Johnny helped the whole brand. He's, he helped us sell handlebars and sprockets and chain and, mm-hmm. and you know, everything that we did. So when we looked at it as an overall company, it was the right decision to, to make. And I think that the the, the brands that had guys... That were in the uh, that could you know finish on the podium. Those mm-hmm. were the brands that were selling in the stores, and I think that's the same case today. Yeah. Look at uh, Answer Products has got Stewart today. Well, if you took what they paid Stewart versus, and I don't know what that is, I'm even yeah. afraid to ask. But uh, <laughs> if you took just that salary, bounced it against apparel, probably wouldn't work. But if you bounce it against Tucker Rocky as a company, right. then it probably works. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it has to. It's a, it's a, if it didn't work, they wouldn't pay it, right? Um, right. That's yeah. the bottom line. There's some smart people running these uh, companies. Um, uh, Factory Effects, uh, a graphic company. What what was the what was the thing behind starting that? Um, you just wanted to branch out and and not put an answer name on it. Well, that you know, um, really, that is Briar Holcomb's baby, mm-hmm. and and he brought it to me at Answer Products and. I can remember he brought it, sat down in my office, and he had a shoebox yeah. full of stickers. <laughs> and he said, hey, Eddie, I think there's an opportunity to you know, do sticker kits for helmets and bikes, mm-hmm. and I want to call it Sticker Tech. And I said, okay. And he says, but, you know, I, I want to partner. Uh, I want to figure out a creative way to do it. And w- we worked out a deal where 
Breyer ended up owning the trademark, and Answer Products launched the product and brought it to the market. Mm-hmm. So we had our design team design all the graphics. We had our manufacturing sources produce it. Mm-hmm. Breyer had an office in our building, which, and he came to work religiously every day and, and worked on Right. Uh, worked on the project as kind of a brand manager, and he it was really his baby. He grew it, and we basically gave him the the, the facilities and the resources to get it done. So right. it, in the beginning, it was Answer Factory Effects, and right. we and because he was involved, and he actually got a royalty from it. It was was the role, um, and uh, it, it needed to be a separate brand, and we didn't want to mix that in with 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 Answer. Right. It, so, yeah. Um, uh, another thing that you've got uh, your hands on was that Pro Taper handlebar, uh, Easton Answer Pro Taper handlebar. Talk about the development of that because when that came out, that blew a lot of people's minds. Yeah, we were working with Easton Aluminum and Van Eyes, and they they were really an aluminum converter, and they were mm-hmm. really big in team sports. They had a hockey stick and a and a softball and a baseball bat, right. and, and we actually developed, before Pro Taper, we developed a product called Hyperlite and Taperlite in the mountain bike right. side. Right, right. I, I, I own some of that, yeah. Yeah, they actually manufactured the product, and we brought it to market in the cycling world, mm-hmm. so it was the answer, Hyperlite and Taperlite. Well, we were down there taking a tour, and we were real successful with the mountain bike stuff, and mm-hmm. we were watching them hit baseball bats, and they had tapered the wall of the bat to take the shock out of the hands when mm-hmm. you hit the baseball. And we and Scott Boyer, who was a product genius, he was our vice president of product development. Scott said, Hey, can we build a can we build a motorcycle handlebar similar to the bicycle handlebar and the and that baseball bat? And the guy looked at him and said, Yeah, I think we can. So we worked together with Easton to develop that and we we introduced the first inch and an eighth centered handlebar that tapered down to seven eighths and we had all the factory teams come up and try it and ride in it and and uh, Yamaha and Suzuki decided to, that they were going to use it mm-hmm. and th- those became the two factory teams that actually helped us and and away we went. Renthal kind of ended up with Honda and Kawasaki and we right. ended up with Suzuki and Yamaha. Um but what was uh so that was it. You were taking a tour, and you were like, "Hey, wait a minute! If it works on a baseball bat, it can work on a motorcycle." Was that? Yeah, that was it. Right. Yeah, we were trying. We our, our Scott's thought was if we could actually put a little more flex in the bar where it was a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. and and actually take some of the vibration of the two strokes away from the hands because of this tapered wall, mm-hmm. and we could make it stronger, lighter. Uh, less vibration transfer to the hand, mm-hmm. uh, then we we actually could revolutionize how you know motorcycle handle mm-hmm. off road handlebars were used and and produced. And then we had to build. The problem was we had to build a special clamp right. to hold these these on there. And we we actually did that, and away we went. And I I think today I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that um, two or three maybe three of the four motorcycles come with an oversized handlebar on them yeah. today as yeah, an funny. OEM product. I'm sure you're raking in the cash for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't have the right agreement in place, I, I think, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what was the reaction from, uh, you know, a, a rider and a team's when you brought them this bar and a clamp and all? I mean, were they – because Jeff Emig told me one of the first ones you ever tried snapped. 
Um, I, I don't know if that's totally true or not. But what, what were they just like? No way. I mean, or were you? Did you really have to sell them on it, or, or did they take to it right away? Yeah, that um, you know, it, it was mixed. Like mm-hmm. most new products, right. you had you had the kind of the techno guys that I remember Dave Arnold coming up. Uh, who was with Honda at the time, and he, he came to our our plant in Valencia mm-hmm. and in our uh, R and D department, and we did a whole presentation with him. and And you know, some he was kind of a techno tech techie guy, mm-hmm. and and he loved it. I remember, and uh, so we we tested with Ricky Johnson, and and uh, from a riding perspective, I remember him using the product, and and they were. Honda was using Renthal at the time. They right. loved the product. It got approved in Japan, but their relationship was just too strong with Renthal. But mm-hmm. to come back and answer your question is that it was kind of a 50-50 deal. Mm-hmm. There were some guys who looked at it and went, whoa, that's really cool. And right. there were other guys going, what, are you crazy? There's no crossbar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's oversized. I can't ride without a crossbar. Um, I'm used to, you know, it's like riding without a front fender. Yeah. Bro, can't, that's can't, what, can't do it. That's what Bradshaw told me. He said he hated it. It worked great. He hated Hated it without a crossbar, though, for for no yeah. reason, you know. Um, yeah. Funny, funny thing. So, um, how did those sell for you? Did they, did they move a lot? I bought a pair, uh, and I remember them being very pricey, but I was pumped on them. They made my bike work better. The mid, the early '90s Honda had suspension problems that seemed to go away a little bit when I put the bars on. So, how did they sell? Well, it it it, it was a tough go in was the it? beginning. Yeah. It, like you know, I mean, it was completely a new concept, and we had to work really hard to sell it. But it it quickly once the factory guys started using it, and and people saw it, and the magazines got a hold of it, and they were able to actually use it because it worked. It did what we said it did. Mm-hmm. It stuck to the wall, and uh, and it took off, and you know. Uh, Today, Pro Taper sells a gazillion handlebars, yeah. and we sold a gazillion gazillion of them when I was there. And and uh, so it's it's been a real one of those products. It's been a real success story, and it's mm-hmm. it, you know it's now its own brand. I mean, yeah. Pro Taper's everywhere, yeah. and um, it, it's working. And so Scott had a vision there, and and he and I and the guys at Easton worked on that, and. It's uh, you know that's one we're pretty proud of. Yeah, I feel like uh, Tucker Rocky's done a good job with the Pro Taper brand of foot pegs and sprockets and bars. Now you know what I mean. They've done well um, <clears throat> with it. Um, I guess the the question for for you with, with in regards to the handlebars. Well, actually, the biggest compliment I think for you is I, I believe somewhere around the the early '90s, mid '90s, whenever Renthal came out with their version, or maybe it was later than that. Even uh, that must have been you know that's the kind of the ultimate compliment, right? They came right. out with basically a copy. There you go. Yeah, and and that and uh, you know, and I think it does a couple things. It's obviously a compliment. Somebody, you know, you can look at it a couple different ways, and and they also help legitimize it. You know, mm-hmm. here is probably the largest handlebar manufacturer in the world. Pro mm-hmm. Taper was probably second at the time, and the brand leader is acknowledged that. We have to have a product like them. Right. I, I don't know that they ever sold anywhere near the oversized handlebars that that yeah. Pro Taper did, but uh, it did legitimize it. Yeah. And so uh, they, we had some patents, and they were able to work around that. Or, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, or I, I, I don't really remember exactly what happened there what? from a patent perspective, but uh, was it? Uh... Yeah, there obviously came to market, yeah. and uh, they're still there in the marketplace, and. And both of those brands are doing quite well. Both of them have their their niches and their marketplaces, and mm-hmm. 
you know, they coexist pretty well. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. It's that time. Time for a commercial. Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulp MX-18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. Was it uh, at the time? Was it fierce? Was it a was it a, a fierce competitor? You uh, two, Renthal and, oh, yeah. uh, and Protaper. Oh yeah, no love yeah, lost. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, Jim Hale was in charge of Renthal right, here, right? And Jim's a good friend and uh, grew up in the almost the same neighborhood, just you know mm-hmm. thirty minutes away in the valley. And I grew up in Valencia, but we actually raced against each other through while we were growing up, and uh-huh. then we've competed against each other. <laughs> he had Axo and Renthal, and we had Answer and Pro Taper. So we were really fierce competitors, but at the same time, run into each other at the pizza place and <laughs> buy each other a beer. You know, oh, okay. so, so yeah, and we're, we're still good friends. Also, yeah. too, uh, I saw some teams that ran uh, Renthal, uh, some big teams that would run a Renthal fat bar, but with a crossbar loosely on the bar to hide the fact that it was a crossbarless bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because yeah, sure. that crossbarless thing, that is just a, a pro taper uh, icon. You know what I mean? That's that's all yeah. it is. So, uh, again, um, the impact is there. I feel like, Eddie, that uh, you never really hit it with a chest protector marker, though, did you? Yeah. I Well, we probably didn't. That's that's probably a good statement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had two or three different products, mm-hmm. and we were probably a little weak on the engineering side, and there were some other people that came out with product before we did. And, yep. and most of the chest protectors were, frankly, a bit of afterthoughts, and we, right. we kind of went along with what was in the market and put our graphics and colors on it. But, you, yeah, we never really innovated anything in the chest protector yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one of your biggest sellers, I would think, and I saw it everywhere as a kid, the uh, Johnny O signature line, the white Honda signature line. Uh, that, I saw that stuff everywhere growing up. Yeah, that was a that was a big hit back then, and white was the color, and right. you know Johnny was the guy. So yeah, he looked good if, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If Johnny wore it, then it must be okay. Uh, was there? Do you know what the biggest seller was for you? Do, do you have one item that just uh, either either? I asked John Gregory the same question. Uh, I find it fascinating. He, I told him on the one market on the, on one of the product that he, that he that he missed on, and he promptly corrected me and told me how much it sold. So uh, uh, goes to show you what I know. I told him that flex on glove thing was terrible, yeah. and he was like, "Well, actually, not. It sold uh, quite a bit." So, anyways, uh, was there a product either either quantity wise or dollar wise that just really did well for Answer? Yeah, I mean, Answer, you know, was in a lot of different markets over mm-hmm. the years, but I think if I had to 
I, I almost have to pick a couple. It's like okay. picking your favorite child almost. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty tough to do. Well, but, and you got twins think, too. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, believe it or not, chromoly handlebars and then uh, pro taper, the handlebar category yep. was something that we always excelled at and did really well. Mm-hmm. And then you would mentioned it a little bit earlier. It, 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 aluminum mufflers and spark arrestor was yep. were the other thing that we did really well. And then... Um, there was uh, Garnet boots and silkaline oil that kind of sticks out. We brought silkaline oil into yeah. the United States, and and uh, and then we diversified. And then we hadn't really talked about this yet, but Manitou suspension forks was yeah uh, was a really a home run and really transfer it really uh, changed the company. Um, well, and uh, so that that was a big move for us. Uh, yeah, and we'll get to that because I'm a little confused about that end of the business. But the um, um, didn't you do something with Dave Osterman in the mid '80s? <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we actually did. It never really got going, but it was. I'm, I, shoot, I always um, bug. I always bug him when I see him because I bought one. I bought I for, an, an I Oz. Forgot about that. An yeah. Oz. Uh, I bought an Oz something or another as a kid, and I always bug him about it. He just laughs. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there was there was that little partnership there. Um, uh, the the Gator pants in like the nineties. How'd those do for you? Yeah, that was a pretty wild design. They had like, they had like five pads on them, huh? But but back to Dave for just a oh. quick second yeah, yeah. is that yeah it was answer Oz and uh, we had, we we tried to put together a deal where he he was going to have kind of a performance lab type thing where he would do suspension and race stuff and we would market it under the answer Oz name and that was his nickname right. uh, with the last name of Osterman and uh, we, we, we got it kind of going and got it started but it never you know we we probably really never paid enough attention to it and it really um, it, we had a couple products under that category and that he sold and uh, and uh, it didn't last long, and I can't remember all the reasons why. Right, right. But, um, yeah. uh, and then so the gator pants with the thigh pads, did those do well for you? They were certainly pretty crazy looking for the time. Yeah, with the uh, outer uh, plastic uh, yeah. panels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, the guy that designed that, uh, uh, he was with us at Answer Products. Doug Geller was his name, and he still today – there at Answer Products. Oh, really? The head ah. designer today, as that's we speak. funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was his idea. Uh, yeah, they, they, they. When Johnny wore them on a cowie, they certainly stuck out. You know. Um, so the the forks, the mountain bike forks, and I, and again, I had a pair of these on my on my uh, Mar, 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 Marin mountain bike. Um, how, now, were they built by you guys? Were they developed? Was it a Manitou thing? Kind of explain the mountain bike forks. Uh, for us uh, who don't really understand, because they were an answer product, but yet they weren't. Yeah, yeah. We we were looking to diversify the company. We had done a lot of different things in motorcycling, and we identified mountain biking as the next category that we were interested in. We had that relationship with Easton that we talked about a few minutes ago, where we had the handlebars with them, uh, the hyperlights and the taper lights. Right. A guy named Doug, Doug Bradbury in Colorado Springs had an idea for a suspension fork for mountain biking at the time. There wasn't a lot of that. Rock Shock was just getting started. Right. And uh, he had actually, Doug Bradbury, designed the product, named it Manitou, but brought it to Answer Products. We had a manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. We knew how to market and bring products to market. And uh, we worked out a deal where we paid him a license. 
we actually manufactured the complete product and assembled it in Valencia, California. Oh, okay. And uh, we ran two shifts, uh, seven days a week, producing mountain bike forks for OEM and for aftermarket, and it just changed the whole company. It did, It huh? tripled the size of the business overnight. Wow. So they were, they were a big success. They were like rubber elastomers, and you could change the different thickness and all that. Um, geez, Eddie, you strike me like uh... – I don't know if they have this TV series down here in the U.S., but where I'm from in Canada, they have this series called Dragon's Den. And what you do is you sit on this big table, and all these people come to you and bring you their wacky ideas. And and people buy them and, and actually buy them for their company, or they don't. You seem like you belong on this show because between Osterman and the Manitou guy and the Easton guy, everybody brought you ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, and, and that's – that's pretty true. I mean, right. we we've always tried to do the right thing, Steve. And and sometimes I feel like I got a I got a billboard on the 405 freeway here that says <laughs> if you have a product idea, call Eddie Cole eight hundred right. you know something something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we've had an open door policy, and we've been good listeners. I think not just me, but the the right. management team that was around me, and and we tried to take advantage of these ideas and. Uh, uh, I'd like to. I like to tell you I thought them all up, you know, in the right. middle of the night one time. But that's not true. You, well, you we've, certainly had. A, yeah, we've uh, just brought them to. We just brought them to fruition or brought them to market. Yeah, well, you certainly. Uh, I mean, you did think of a lot of ideas, just not all of them. Um, yeah. The uh, so the forks they that really decided that changed the whole business. You guys started doing more and more in that, and the motorcycle end of things sort of fell off. Yeah, I almost felt like we became a mountain bike company and, right. and almost lost a little bit of sense of where we came from on the motorcycle side. And so what we did is we separated the teams mm-hmm. in that we had a we had a uh, we had a brand manager and a design team and an engineering team for bicycling, and we had the same deal for motorcycling, and actually separated uh, in a lot of respects the departments mm-hmm. so they could focus on their categories. Right. But the mountain bike thing was killing it sales-wise, huh? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it uh, it uh, changed the whole makeup of the business. So, yeah. uh, you know, from 1976 to, to 1990, uh, you're doing well. You've built this, I imagine, multi-million-dollar company up. Uh, Tucker Rocky comes to you, and they want to they want to buy it. What what do you do? Do you, do you automatically say I'm done? How did that go? Did you have to think long and hard about it? How was that decision? Yeah, I thought about thirty seconds or so about it. No, uh, that's All not right, true. That check, that check had that many zeros on it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not true. I, um, yeah, first of all, the check didn't have enough zeros. But um, oh, please come on. No, no. Uh, yeah, you know, it was a hard decision was because yeah. the truth is, I mean, the, the the company wasn't for sale, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had had a couple meetings with this CEO of LDI, Andre Lacey, and a guy named Bob Nickel, who ran and was the founder of Tucker Rocky. Mm -hmm. And they were really interested in having a brand that they could control because they had this large distribution company, and they really wanted to be in the off-road business in a serious way. And they they did make an offer that just made too much sense and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, Eddie, you know what? We can... We can pay off the financing. We can pay you X amount of dollars. We can give you a job, and we can pay you twice what you're paying yourself now. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, and we like to give you a long-term contract. And mm-hmm. um, I said, you know what? 
all that stuff probably just makes too much sense not to do it. Yeah. And, uh, so we did it, and, and I stayed with those guys. I had a three-year contract, mm-hmm. and I stayed for seven. So, and, and, but what was it like losing a little bit of your baby? Because, or did you still? I mean, were there decisions that maybe you didn't agree with, or things that you had to kind of just set? Because you're now at this point. I mean, obviously you're running the company, but you don't have the final final say like you did back in the day. So was that a little hard to adjust to? It, it, it was a little bit hard, but you know the nice thing about it, Steve, was that I, my management team was there and intact. Mm-hmm. They they were in te- Dallas and Indianapolis, and so we only heard from those guys when it came time to you know put the business plan together for the year. And the truth is, it was a really good learning um, time for me. Mm-hmm. I was able to really understand how to manage a business at the next level right. and and understand what bankers were looking for, understand what uh, investors were looking for. And so it taught me a lot about managing a larger entity that we probably as just motorcycle guys would have never done. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed the time there and I was really busy. There was a lot of growth going on at the time and we were doing really well. The 90s was a great time for motorcycling and mm-hmm. bicycling. Yep. So I don't have, I don't really have any bad experiences to talk about in terms of Answer Products and Takaraki and LDI. I mean, right. they let us do what we need to do. They gave us the capital to do it. And um, we turned, uh, you know, a, a decent-sized business into a really nice, profitable business with with their those guys' help. With frankly. the help, right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so when you when you retired, uh, how come? What was the uh, was the time for a new challenge? <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, you know, after about seven years, you, the truth is, what happened in about 1997, we had a product recall where we had a bunch of mountain bike forks that we had a problem with the die cast. I do remember that. It was a real serious uh, miss. Uh, We we had a a die cast company that uh, made some bad product and, you know, the company had really changed into a manufacturing company. We were running multiple shifts. We were Mm -hmm. doing lots of manufacturing. And although I, I did a lot of manufacturing, I felt like the company needed different leadership. That mm-hmm. we, needed, we needed a really technical person that had an engineering background and needed and had some motorcycle and bicycle people around him. So right. we made the change for me to retire and it was a nice transition it was the you know it was the right thing to do at the time mm-hmm. and i had felt like you know what i, I think i want to do something different uh, you know i think i want to do something on my own and so we worked out a deal and i left at the end of 97 and we started a new company in about march of 98 so <laughs> you uh like, no it didn't you, uh, take long to start over you called up hannah and went hannah we're doing the bar. We're getting the handlebar company going again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But we uh, actually switched to bicycling. And yeah, it was a, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, how how was that? Six six one. Well, it, uh, you did do something with Axel, right? Axel cycling. Yeah, um, we had a short. I don't st- uh, remember that, with, Eddie. Uh, Axel cycling. That's right. And okay. uh, we did a license with them and brought a line of uh, mountain bike and road shoes and and gloves they were really powerful in the motorcycle side mm-hmm. not doing a lot in the bicycle side just left the bicycle company that uh so that's what we did and that, and then uh we did that for a couple of years and we ended up developing 661 mm-hmm. and changing the name to Valencia Sport Group 
Yeah, uh, um, 661, that, that's the next venture that I really remember Eddie Cole being involved in. And that was sort of um, a protective line of gear. What what made you want to go into that? Where did you see an opening? What made you think about, hey, I'm going to do like elbow pads and knee pads and, and you know, uh, some helmets and things like that? Like what, uh, what kind of got you into it? Yeah, we saw an opportunity, Steve, that uh, in mountain biking where uh, and BMX where, you know, Mountain biking was a lot of cross-country stuff at the time, Lycra, guys in Lycra and lightweight stuff um, on long single-track trails for a long time. We saw, we saw BMX dirt jumping starting to happen, and right. we saw mountain bike downhill starting to, mm-hmm. to materialize and, and this uh, cross-country riding and... and uh, free ride riding and and we thought protection was a category that cycling would be interested in so we took what we had learned on the motorcycle side applied it to cycling developed and started and we're probably one of the only companies with a complete line of body protection for off-road mountain biking mm-hmm. and it just that and it just exploded <laughs> Once again, you're on the front of a curve, you know, you're on on the front of a wave where you see what's going on. Um, uh, That's interesting. I didn't know it did that well for you, but uh, it did, huh? It it was a a calling that people needed to, to have gear. Yeah, you know, we we struggle with just selling Axo cycling mm-hmm. uh, shoes and gloves, and we 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 were eating pizza and said, hey, what if we did a line of protection? We drew a logo up on a napkin at the local pizza place, and <laughs> we, uh, and boom, we we brought some product in and it took off, and and then you know a couple of years later we thought, well, shoot, let, let's go back to our roots, and we we introduced six six one into Moto, right. And uh, and then that exploded, and we we said let's focus on just being what we referred to as a neutral branded protection line. Mm-hmm. Let's make it okay to wear six six one with JT and with Fox and O'Neill and right. um, all those different brands. And so we we said we went to the distributors and said we've got a line of neutral branded stuff. We're not in the apparel business. We're in the protection business, mm-hmm. and the. The motorcycling, off-road motorcycling people ate that up, and so 661 was, you know, really a great little success story for us. Yeah, uh, before, uh, before, before I get into that too much more, what was it like, though, leaving Answer behind? Or I'm, I'm guessing you sound like you're okay with it, but did you have a little uh, tear in your eye, let's say, you know, Answer was you? That was, and by the way, how'd the name Answer come, how'd you come up with the name Answer? Just, you were the Answer? <laughs> was that it? Yeah. Well, no, I wish I had a great uh, story I could tell you, you know, and it would be kind of funny. But mm-hmm. the truth is, it's pretty boring. We were in the lawyer's <laughs> office. He said, what do you guys want to name the company? And I looked down on the coffee table in his office, and there was a, of all the stupid things, there was a fl- there was a brochure. And it said, that the answer to your marital problems of all things. <laughs> and I wasn't married, didn't have a girlfriend, right. didn't know anything about marital problems. Yeah. But in the corner of my eye, the biggest word was answer mm-hmm. on that piece of paper. And I said, I looked at him and I said, what about answer products? <laughs> and he looked back at me and said, 
okay, what's that got to do with motorcycles? Yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. nothing. I said, because if this don't work, we might have to build flagpoles or computer terminals, or we could do anything with answer products. Right. And so there's too many FMS and DGs and JTs, and right. we, we need something that's different than that. And I'm guessing so that's this, how the name got, that's how we ended up with the name. And I'm guessing this ad was before Viagra and Cialis and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I think way before, yeah, yeah, way before. Um, so, okay, so a little, a little tear about leaving answer at all like did it still feel like your baby yeah and you know what it still feels like my does it yeah my, my kid yeah every every time i see an answer ad i want to stop and critique it and call those guys and tell them what i think about it and you know i i actually went believe it or not i mean i went back to answer products about five six well shoot it's probably longer than that seven or eight years ago and i spent a year doing some consulting with them oh okay and yeah. i really enjoyed it yeah. and uh so yeah answer is still in my eyes part of the family mm-hmm. and uh i uh, you know every time there's a trade show i go by and visit with everybody and so a lot of the guys that i worked with are still there I, uh, at least in the design side i loved when oh. they brought out that retro stuff for james and it was a mickey diamond replica uh pink and Black and white. That was awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I yeah, it, it, it. I, I did have a tear in my eye, and and it was, it was tough leaving. Right. And uh, I, uh, yeah, it is like uh, it's, it's uh, like having a kid for sure. Yeah. Hey, what was it like having uh, having Mickey Diamond back then? What was that? Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. Um, he was a real personality yeah, at he the was. time. <laughs> you know, he, he was. Good-looking kid had a great look to him. A uh, lot of fans, you know, wasn't afraid to try anything new and out there. You know, wasn't so conservative like Johnny, but right. you know, was willing to try stuff. And I think he was a great addition at the time. His career wasn't as long as we had thought it was going to be, but yeah. he, you know, I mean, he actually turned his motorcycle career into, uh, in the end, quite a long. You know, deal. I mean, he did a lot of supermoto stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't know if he still rides today or not. He might. He yeah, I think he does. always fit. And uh, good kid, good good guy. I liked him. Yeah, that stuff looked good. That that pink and black and all that stuff that looked good. Um, uh, but okay, so back to smash cut to six six one. And uh, yeah, you came up with some boots. Tim Ferry wore them, and I uh, really liked them. So uh, to me, that's uh, always get a thumbs up from that. And uh, helmets as well, and neck neck guards, and um, yeah, six, like you said, it was it, the the choice was there, very very much of a choice to be a non competitor with the apparel companies, huh? Right, yeah. and uh, that worked, you know, and we played that card, and it worked really well. Hey, whatever happened to that neck chest protector thing that you brought out at Indy one year? Uh, I don't think it ever made it to market. What, uh, what that was, was called that? the Droid. Yeah. Um, I think was the the first market name, and then it might have become the Guardian after the phone company came out with something <laughs> called a Droid. And didn't like the idea of us having the same name. Did it come but, out? Uh, um, it never actually made it to market. Um, the guys that uh, were running the business uh, as I was retiring and right. leaving six six one had decided that they weren't comfortable with it yep. and uh, they weren't sure they wanted to be in that business so oh, okay. they they made the decision not to move forward with it which um I'm not so sure that was the right decision I right. would have liked to I really was a fan of it and would have liked to seen it come to market Yeah you probably put a lot of lot of R&D into it right Oh yeah yeah, yeah I mean years we mm-hmm. spent a couple of years on it for sure Um so 
Eddie, you, you, you did it again. 661 became such a success that you had guys coming at you wanting to, to own it. Uh, and uh, how was that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was a very similar deal to answer right, products right. in that these guys came along and said, I guess the difference was that we had a plan to sell it. Okay, you did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When we started, we said, we'd like to go about 10 years. And believe it or not, we went almost 10 years to the day. <laughs> and uh, large equity group came along and decided that they wanted it more than we did and mm-hmm. uh, wrote us a check. And it was a very similar experience to answer products. I stayed as the president for three years, mm-hmm. um, had a four-year agreement, and they decided that uh, they wanted to keep me around in the last year as a consultant and uh, didn't need me there every day, and mm-hmm. that was okay for me. And right. so, um, yeah, that, and and it was the same experience. You know, it was, there, was, there were some tears and yeah. – Thoughts of you know when when I did ultimately leave it it was it was tough. Yeah, really, and and that was the uh, was that the Mag Group who bought that? Well, no, no it, it, it was, was a company the, called Triple Seven. Triple Seven, yeah, that's and right. uh, in at the end of two thousand and seven, and you know the right at kind of the height of everything. I mean, the truth is that we were in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. and the, the and then uh, the world changed about June of oh eight. Right, and and they came in and bought Tag. Bought uh, six six one, and another company. What was it? Uh, one industry. One industries. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, they came in and uh, and really really wanted a piece of the motorcycle market. Um, it, it's amazing. Not too many people have had one success like you have at Answer. Yet you've had it twice. Um, I know. You know when I've done a few different jobs and worked with some different companies, and you know the the goal is to build it up to make it a valuable asset to where somebody wants it. And you've done it twice. So without, I mean, without tooting your own horn, what, what's, what's the secret, Eddie? And, and what are you getting into next? Because I have some money that I want to invest with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and when we're done here, I'll call you back and we'll talk about it. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a great idea. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess if, if I had to pick a couple things that, um, you know, first, I guess I, en- you, you know, I really enjoy working and, mm-hmm. and building stuff and, and working with people. And I guess if I, uh, I, I've had a passion for what I've been doing and, right. and my parents have, uh, given me a little bit of a work ethic. And so I, I've, I've worked hard at it. I've enjoyed what I'm doing, I guess, first of all, second of all, and probably most important of all. Um, and I said this earlier, it, it, I, been able to recognize good people and surround myself with good people. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, really made the difference. I, I like to sit here and tell you I know it all and, and I figured <laughs> it all out on my own, but, to, you know, that wouldn't be the truth. Mm-hmm. We, we surrounded ourselves with really good people and um, treated those people honestly and fairly and uh, with a lot of respect, and they helped me grow these businesses, and mm-hmm. uh, they participated so the businesses. I mean, uh, so you really you believe in people. You believe in being a people person, huh? Yep. Yeah, and 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 that's what I continue to preach. You know, mm-hmm. with any organization I'm in, is it's about the people. It's not about the leadership. You, you've got to set an example. But it's 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 just you know, Steve, and you, you you've done this. You've been on on race teams, and when when 
when everybody's on the same page and, and the riders working with the mechanic and the mechanics working with the engineers and the engineers working with the team manager and everybody's on the same page, you got a chance to win. Mm-hmm. As soon as everybody gets off of it and on their own pages, it's miserable for people and yeah. nobody wants to, to, to work at it. So I spent 20 years studying people. Well, shoot, not 20, 40 years, I guess, <laughs> yeah. or a long time anyway, right. studying people, um, listening to people, and, uh, you know, always, you know, we, we've got core values listed on our bulletin board in our conference room mm-hmm. today, and the first one on the top of the list says always, I'm reading it right off the list right now, it says matrix concepts, core values, the first one, always do the right thing is the first mm-hmm. line item. I think if you if you subscribe to that, um, you got a chance right. in business. Um, yeah, because like you said, I've been on some teams, uh, my 98 FMF Honda team, for example, and it's not a slam on FMF at all, but I've been on some teams like that that were terrible. Management was terrible. Um, everybody going their own way, and you know you saw the results on the track, and then I've been on other times – other teams that worked great and worked well together, 2001 yeah. KTM, for example, Langston almost winning the title, and I can picture everybody mostly getting along, you know, and working towards a goal. So you're absolutely right. But yeah. uh, uh, I find it interesting. I, I, I like your opinion because, like I said, there isn't too many people doing it has done it once, never mind twice. So there's got to be some sort of common denominator there. Um, <clears throat> so – you're now doing Matrix, and, and your sons are running it. So what's it like? I mean, do you have to – they're young. You know, they've obviously watched their dad do what he does. Do you do you have to come down on them sometimes? Is it tough? Is it uh, – are you just like, hey, this is what we're doing? Or, or do you let them kind of make their own mistakes along the way because you did? Or what's that like, having the sons running it? Yeah, that that's an interesting question. <laughs> and uh, um, I – I'm having the time of my life, Are you? I guess, yeah. first of all, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I can't believe that I'm actually this fortunate to be in the, the position that I'm in to, you know, have the chance to work with Chad and Cameron. And uh, they pay really lousy, by the way. <laughs> um, but uh, other than the pay... They, they, and they yell at um, you, you can't take breaks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the, but, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a common, to answer your question, there is a... It's a. I have to really kind of look at it and and approach it very with a with a strong balance, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when I got to say, "Hey, guys, you know, you you've got an opportunity here, and you've got to do this, and you got to do that, and you mm-hmm. and you have to lead by example." And so they've got six or eight people here every day with mm-hmm. them, and they. Uh, um, so they've got to set the right example, and there are times when I've got to be pretty tough on them. Right. But I I, I think that. They understand that, and, and I, I think they have a lot of respect for me and and, and what I've done. So mm-hmm. I think that they're they're good listeners. They really want to do the right thing, and um, so that part's been good. And I think uh, uh, at the same time, I also got to let them, you know, make some mistakes and learn mm-hmm. on their own because I, I I feel like that sometimes the only way they're going to do it. Yeah. You can tell somebody um, how to jump a jump. But you can't go out there and jump it for him, right? You know? right. Yeah, no. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and also, too, uh, you're like, hey guys, quit playing wiffle ball in the office. Um, everybody yeah. can see you. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. But their problem is getting to work on time. I think yeah. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I've got a lot of Canadian listeners, and you know, I used to have my own shop up in Canada, and uh, I bought a lot from R and M, a ton. That's where I got all my stuff that I just told you that I bought. Rick Sharon is a friend of mine. Uh, can you talk a little bit about working with Rick for however long he imported Answer products for? Yeah, you know, uh, Rick has been a lifelong friend. Um, Rick and I raced motorcycles against each other. I know, he holds on hang the, down. He's told me all about it. In the 70s. It. Yeah, and uh, I've got a picture of him and my dog and Bob Hanna and Brad McLean, who you would remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brad, I'm sorry, Billy McLean. Yeah, uh, Bill, Bill I don't really know, Brad. just the son. Okay. I, I don't really know okay. Bill. I didn't really know yeah. him. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I keep forgetting you're a lot younger than... Uh, and I am, but uh, he was a uh, national Canadian champion right. back many years ago, and uh, Bill and uh, Rick and I go back a long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was the first importer for Answer Products. He he actually followed um, the same path that we took, where he actually sold his company R and M to Tucker Rocky. Yeah, became the president of Tucker Rocky Canada. Grew that business. And then uh, left there, and he became the uh, my partner in Canada at Six Six One Canada. Mm-hmm. So um, we were partners there. We we both sold our, the businesses together. Um, we, when we sold Valencia Sport Group, we had three offices: Canada, Europe, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Sold them all three together. And today, his son Brady Sharon is partners with my sons Chad and Cameron in both the United States Matrix and we have Matrix Canada in Vancouver. So we've got, you know, we've got a 40-year relationship, um, a business relationship and partnership, and that exists today. And what's great uh, that, I, you know, I'm proud of mm-hmm. having that kind of a relationship and now for Chad and Cameron to be partnered with him and then Brad McLean up there, uh, Billy's son, is, is pretty cool. Right. Well, that's why I bring it up because it's like a lifelong thing. It's really cool to see. Um, Rick's been there, you know, uh, in Canada, uh, uh, preaching the word of answer and 661 and now Matrix. And uh, it's just a real cool dynamic. And I guess, like you said, you find the right people, you treat them right, you become buddies with them, and, and, and you know, and everything works out, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and then so now I, I read that you're on the uh, AMA Hall of Fame board. Yeah, yeah, I worked with those guys for about three years now. Uh, Tom White uh, came to visit with me, had lunch, convinced me that uh, mm-hmm. I ought to, you know, work on that assignment, and I I really enjoyed that. Uh, I sit, you know, I'm not involved really in the AMA governing side. Right. There's really two sides. I'm on the 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 um, museum and the Hall of Fame board, and and uh, we're charged with managing the museum back there and the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony and the effort. Uh, so th- that's that's our role. And uh, we're in the process of raising funds right now for um, this year's Hall of Fame banquet. Mm-hmm. It'll be out there at the Red Rock in uh, November of this year, and it'll be our second year out there. And the, the, the venue is fantastic, and uh, we've got six inductees um, this year, and we're pretty, we've are pretty. we got a great class. And yeah. You know, it's really kind of rewarding for me to be, uh, I mean, I'm honored just to be asked to be on the board um, with, all, you know, there's 15 people in the world on it, mm-hmm. and they they asked, asked me to help right. them with that. Right. So, right. 
feel pretty good about that. Um, yeah, no, and if you don't do it on the uh, on the same weekend as Bursi Supercross, I will be there. Um, yeah, because cool. it's ten minutes from my house. But what do we got to do to get Ron Lachine in? Like if Jeff, if Jeff, Jim Gibson's in, and you know Donnie Hansen. Uh, Hanson, okay, all right. But what do we got to do to get Dogger in? Two Motocross of Nations win, a 125 national title. He's sort of come back from some adverse life conditions. Um, right. He's back riding. What do we got to do, Eddie? Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of Ronnie's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoy him. And I, I actually see Ronnie a lot right. at all these distributor shows. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really taken the... Uh, the reins at uh, the oil company there, and uh, it, uh, that his dad founded, and right. and uh, so I'm a big fan of him, and I'm sure that he'll make it in there one of these days. How, what I we sure do? hope what he does. I'd do? be rooting for him. You're, you're you're the guy. You can bring it up in the meetings, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a long. It's actually a a pretty detailed process, and I think that he has been nominated actually, and he has been on the ballots, and I I think will continue to be here for. A, a few more years, so he just needs to get voted in. I think. Oh, uh, that, that's bull crap! Is it a closed door session, or can I go? Um, it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you caught me there. But um, no, it's it's actually anybody can nominate anybody, and uh-huh. there's an actual process that uh, each there's seven committees and seven categories. Okay, and uh, there those are made up of of uh, industry professionals and people within that segment. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie's probably, I'm sure that Ronnie's made it in and been nominated under the, the motocross category. He's got so it. There are um, about 15 guys on that committee. Mm-hmm. And then what happens from there is they narrow the nominations down into a group of them. Okay. And then those nominations are actually those ballots are sent to all of the ex-Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. uh, several, um, and I don't know which ones, but several of the magazine edit- editors, right. uh, the board of directors of the AMA, the board of directors of the museum, and oh, it's, uh, a, it's a big process. All, and a... all, if I didn't say this already, I might have all passed um, Hall of Famers. And then I, I think it's, it's um, in the 200-plus range of people and then th- that then they vote on who actually Jeez. is inducted. Okay. So and then yeah, from so there we honor those inductees. So there there's an actual process involves quite a few people, and it's not it's not just a couple guys behind a closed door, you know, <laughs> um, saying drinking a couple diet cokes right. and saying, hey, who do we want in here? You don't do it down it, at the pizza joint, like, like no, you just, like it, you it do. doesn't work like that. I mean, we we might develop brands and companies at the pizza joint, right, right, right. No. This oh. is a little more formal. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Okay, well, I just thought it was U15 guys, but no, it sounds like it's, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like it's a big process. Um, yeah, it, it is a process, and 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 on the website, the process is, uh, I hope, somewhere listed on there. It I is. It is. Later. No, I looked. I looked, and I, it's a letter uh, of recommendation from somebody. It's career highlights, and I and I and, I, and I've done all that, and I believe Coombs wrote the letter of recommendation, but nothing yeah. ever happened. So, yeah. um, and then we need to get Ross Rollerball Peterson in because he sold you a shitload of answer gear in the eighties up in Canada. That's right. He yeah. did. So. He sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope that Ross is doing well. I have not seen him or heard from him and I know that, uh, Bob knows him well, Hannah. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I, uh, 
I haven't uh, heard much about him in recent years. So yeah, when if you I do s- run into him, tell him I said hello and, and wish him well. I will. I will. I will. When I saw you in Seattle with Bob, I, I talked to Bob a little bit about Roller and getting him his number. So I'm in the process of doing that. Um, well, hey, man, it, it's been great. Thank you uh, for this this literal walk down memory lane. I, I, I've wanted to do this for a while with you, and, and, and again um, – you're doing something right because you've built these brands, these iconic brands and the images, and uh, you know they've all been there, and now you're doing it again with Matrix. And um, I think it's really cool. I'm following the story, uh, interested into seeing how you can do this, because um, I know you can. So Yeah, well, I, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about what we're doing here at Matrix. And uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're excited about what we're doing, and, and again, I appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Eddie Cole, for doing the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm sure I will see you at the races somewhere. All right. Take care now. Thanks, Eddie. Okay. Bye-bye, Steve. Bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show brought to you by RacerX. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX on the iTunes Store to enjoy these and many more great podcasts.